well regulated militia be necessary to the security of a free state? The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. I'm glad that you're with us today. It is Constitution Day. Happy Constitution Day to you. Yes, it was on this date in 1787 that the delegates to the Constitutional Convention put pen to paper, signed their names on that document. Now, now, now keep in mind, that wasn't the, the, the end of the constitutional uh, fight. Actually, that was just the beginning uh, of the fight over the Constitution, which ultimately led to the Constitution's ratification, but also uh, led to the Bill of Rights uh, because there were a lot of Americans who were um, upset at the way the Constitution turned out. So I, I, we're, we're going to talk about, we've got a couple of great armed citizen stories for you coming up in just a couple of minutes, but I wanted to take a minute, A, because I'm a history dork, uh, and B, because I don't know if you just saw this story yesterday. There was a survey out uh, showing something like two-thirds of American students uh, don't know that the Holocaust happened, and like 20% of American students thinks that the uh, the Jews were responsible for the Holocaust. We are We are forgetting our history. Uh, And as a history lover and somebody who believes that we need to know where we've come from in order to have a better idea of where we're going, uh, I thought I would would take a couple of minutes here and just kind of talk about how the Constitution came to be, how the Bill of Rights came to be, and why the right to keep and bear arms uh, was so important to those Americans at the time. So again, you go back to 1787, the the uh, on this date in 1787. And the uh, delegates to the Constitutional Convention, remember, they had, they had shown up in Philadelphia, and their mandate was not to create a, a new framework of government. They were there to try to fix the Articles of Confederation. Uh, but instead, when they got behind closed doors, they uh, kind of thought, well, you know what we could do instead? We could just come up with something entirely new and different. Let's try that. See what we come up with. And uh, they, they, they did over a course of six weeks. Behind closed doors, the shutters closed so that uh, people outside on the street couldn't eavesdrop and hear what was going on. And then they come out and they say, okay, listen, we know that uh, we were supposed to revise the Articles of Confederation, but we came up with something we think you're going to like even better. Yeah, we call it the Constitution. And as people started looking at this, some of them thought, you know, I've got some issues here. Uh, This seems really open-ended. This seems like it gives um, pretty much unlimited power to the federal government and reduces the states to this position of subservience. Um, We don't like that. Yeah, we're not not, going to ratify this. And so almost immediately, you had two camps develop, the Federalists, the Anti-Federalists. And they waged this war of... Uh, the, the, the fight over the future of the Constitution in the pages of America's newspapers. Uh, the Federalist Papers, which you may have read, maybe a couple uh, in school, and the Anti-Federalist Papers, which you probably didn't read much of in school, were actually op-eds. I mean, these were running, uh, you know, in newspapers in New York and Philadelphia, and then they would get uh, sent out and, and they would spread up across the country, and so a week later, they'd show up maybe in a newspaper in Virginia, and a week after that, maybe a newspaper in North Carolina. But this was how the debate was conducted. Uh, and even before the Constitution was ratified, you already had supporters of that Constitution arguing that, listen, we don't really need a Bill of Rights. 
Because the Constitution only empowers the federal government to do what it explicitly is allowed to do in the Constitution. And if you're really concerned about some federal, you know, uh, hugely powerful federal government, keep in mind that we already have some checks and balances. Federalist 46, that was the 46th op-ed put out uh, by the uh, pro-Constitution uh, forces, uh, written by James Madison, although um, he didn't identify himself as the author at the time. All of the Federalist papers were uh, signed by the uh, pseudonym Publius, uh, even uh, though there were three individuals who, who wrote uh, primarily the Federalist papers, James Madison, uh, Alexander Hamilton, and uh, yeah, third guy. Who I'm blanking right now. I want to say it was Benjamin Rush, but I don't think that's it. Anyway, um, <clears throat> this one was written by James Madison. You can tell I'm doing this ad lib, can't you? Uh, and Federalist 46 focuses on what happens if there's a federal government that becomes so big and so powerful that, thanks to the Constitution, that the, uh, the, the states and the individuals living in those states suddenly realize that they live under tyranny. What are we supposed to do about that? And Madison said, okay, let's, 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 let's game this out. Let's talk about what might happen. He said, uh, extravagant as the supposition is, let it, however, be made. Let a regular army, fully equal to the resources of the country, be formed. And let it be entirely at the devotion of the federal government. Still, he says, it would not be going too far to say that the state governments where the people on their side would be able to repel the danger. He says the highest number to which, according to the best computation, a standing army can be carried in any country does not exceed one hundredth part of the whole number of souls or one twenty-fifth part of the number able to bear arms. He said that proportion would not yield in the United States an army of more than twenty-five or 30,000 men. Population a lot smaller back then. To these, he says, would be opposed a militia amounting, amounting to nearly half a million citizens with arms in their hands, officered by men chosen from among themselves, fighting for their common liberties, and united and conducted by governments possessing their affections and confidence. State and local governments. He said it may well be doubted whether a militia thus circumstanced could ever be conquered by such a proportion of regular troops. Those who are best acquainted with the last successful resistance of this country against British arms will be most inclined to deny the possibility of it. And he says, besides the, besides the advantage of being armed, which the Americans possess over the people of almost every other nation. Again, this is pre-Bill of Rights. This is pre-Second Amendment. And listen to what Madison says. Besides the advantage of being armed, which the Americans possess over the people of almost every other nation. So the right of the people to keep and bear arms was not created by the Second Amendment. It was recognized by the Second Amendment. Anyway, he says, look, Americans, we've got arms. Most other countries don't. We have an advantage there. He says, the existence of subordinate governments to which the people are attached and by which the militia officers are appointed forms a barrier against the enterprise of ambition more insurmountable than any which a simple government of any form can admit of. Notwithstanding the military establishments of the several kingdoms of Europe, which are carried as far as the public resources will bear, the governments are afraid to trust the people with arms. And it's not certain that with this aid alone, they'd be able to shake off their yokes. But were the people to possess the additional advantages of local governments chosen by themselves, 
who could collect a national will and direct a national force, and of officers appointed out of the militia by these governments and attached both to them and to the militia, it may be affirmed with the greatest assurance that the throne of every tyranny in Europe would be speedily overthrown in spite of the legions which surround it. Madison says, let's not insult the free and gallant citizens of America with the suspicion that they would be less able to defend the rights of which they would be in actual possession than the debased subjects of arbitrary power would be to rescue theirs from the hands of their oppressors. Now, keep in mind, the French Revolution had had really just kicked off or was kicking off uh, at that point when he uh, wrote this. And he's saying, listen, again, if... If, if the United States were to fall under this, you know, tyrannical regime, Americans themselves already possess the power to overthrow that regime. We just did it. So Madison at the time was arguing against a Bill of Rights. But the American people ultimately decided that um, they wanted one. You had a, a number of states, including the state of New Hampshire, that actually specifically said, <clears throat> Uh, yeah, we'd like some uh, specific protections uh, about the right to keep bare arms there. So eventually it was decided, all right, all right, all right, all right we'll, we'll come up with a Bill of Rights. And again, we are reminded when we read the Bill of Rights that the Bill of Rights did not create these rights out of whole cloth. That the Bill of Rights was designed to protect these pre-existing rights that Americans were afraid they would lose under the Constitution. This wasn't about establishing new rights. It was about protecting old rights. And we know this. You can read the preamble to the Bill of Rights. And it says, The conventions of a number of the states, having at the time of their adopting the Constitution, expressed a desire in order to prevent misconstruction or abuse of its powers, that further declaratory and restrictive clauses should be added, and as extending the ground of public confidence in the government will best ensure the beneficent ends of its institution. So in other words, you know, while we were debating the Constitution, a lot of us were really concerned that the uh, powers of the federal government would be abused. So we want to put more restrictive language, restrictive against the federal government, not restrictive against the people, not restrictive against individual citizens but restrictions on the federal government to ensure that these individual liberties remain protected. And then we get to the Second Amendment. A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Now, gun control advocates will say, aha, listen to that militia language. That's what the Second Amendment's all about. Well, no, again, you can go back and read Federalist 46. Madison talked about those armed Americans that form militias, but it's the armed Americans who have the ability, again, to form those militias. And why do they have that ability? Because they're armed. Because they had a right to keep and bear arms that existed before the Second Amendment. But we can also look to state constitutions that were contemporaneous with the ratification of the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. And we can again see um, clear evidence that the right to keep and bear arms was seen as an individual right, not some sort of collective right to belong to a militia. This is from the Pennsylvania Constitution, 
Which, by the way, Pennsylvania had a constitution that was passed in 1776. And that was considered a sort of radical constitution. The radicals were in charge of the legislature. That, too, contained a provision specifically protecting the right of the people to keep and bear arms. In 1790, uh, more moderate politicians took control of the Pennsylvania legislature. And they were like, okay, we want to get rid of some of this crazy stuff here that uh, was, you know, been going around for 14 years. And so the more moderate version of the Pennsylvania Constitution, ratified in 1790, contains this language. Again, this is the moderate version. Quote, the right of these citizens to bear arms in defense of themselves and the state shall not be questioned. So you have a right to bear arms in self-defense. I mean, again, crystal clear, 1790. Two years later, Kentucky passed its own state constitution. And this is what they had to say. This is from Article 7, Section 23. That the right of these citizens to bear arms in defense of themselves and the state shall not be questioned. Again, very similar language to Pennsylvania back in 1790. The right of these citizens to bear arms in defense of themselves and the state shall not be questioned. So all of these gun control uh, activists who are arguing that, well, the Second Amendment never protected an individual right. It was always about a right of a militia. No, it wasn't. It was about a right of the people to keep and bear arms in defense of themselves, in defense of the state, against enemies foreign and domestic. That was what the right was about, but it was always about the individual's right to keep and bear arms. Yeah, one of the reasons why that right was so important is so that collectively these individuals could join a militia, could serve in a militia. That was one of the reasons why it was so important that the individual right to keep and bear arms not be infringed. So, happy Constitution Day to you. We uh, clearly, I believe, would have uh, possessed and maintained that right to keep and bear arms, even if we did not have the Bill of Rights. But it's nice to have that little extra addendum that makes it uh, crystal clear. If only the courts and anti-gun politicians would actually bother to learn their history and try to uh, abide by it instead of trying to erase it. All right, let's get to today's Armed Citizen Stories, plural, plus our good deed of the day, as well as our recidivist report. We're going to start there with a case out of New Mexico. This is from uh, Fox 13 KRQE. Convicted felon who got a second chance and blew it. Now headed to prison, they say Rafael Orozco took a plea deal in 2019 after beating his wife and newborn baby at a hospital in Taos, New Mexico, back in 2017. Took two years to get the plea deal. He was facing 14 years behind bars. But prosecutors said, listen, you can go to a drug treatment instead. They said that was the best option given the strength of their case. Orozco, thank you very much. Went to the drug treatment program. Immediately left the drug treatment program. Yeah. He was arrested uh, several months later. And this week, Judge uh, Jeffrey Shannon 
there in New Mexico, ordered Orozco to prison. Said, you're doing the full 14 years, buddy. We gave you that chance. You decided not to take it. Now you're going to suffer the consequences. Orozco, by the way, is also facing serious charges in a case out of Española, New Mexico, after a woman accused him of raping her, holding her against her will at gunpoint. Carrie Huey says the trial has not yet been set. So while this story, you know, look, I'm glad to see that Mr. Orozco is facing some serious consequences, not only for the crime that he committed, but also for uh, ignoring the second chance that he was offered. It does raise some questions about why that deal was offered in the first place. Again, prosecutors say, well, that was the best option given the strength of their case. Okay, well, what was the strength of the case? Where were the weaknesses? Did Orozco's wife decide that she didn't want to testify? Were there any surveillance videos? Again, this, this happened at a hospital. Was it caught on camera? Was there any physical evidence? Because given the fact that Orozco, who was facing 14 years in prison before he got that sweetheart deal, then went on to allegedly commit this very violent crime of raping a woman at gunpoint. I think the question deserves to be asked, and it absolutely should be answered by prosecutors. Why wasn't Orozco behind bars to begin with? And the judge, quite frankly, should be asked that question as well. All right, on to our uh, Armed Citizen stories. We're going to start with a, a story out of Oregon where a uh, woman in the right place at the right time and uh, able to hold a suspected arsonist at gunpoint on her property. Yeah, how about this? Cat Cast posted uh, this picture, a little video actually, on uh, Facebook, yelling at a man who she found on her property with matches, saying, what are you doing to my property? Did you light anything on fire? The guy says, I I'm just passing through. She said, why are you holding matches? He said, I, I smoke. And she said, well, let me see your cigarettes. And he didn't have any. Cat Cast held the man there until police showed up, took him away in handcuffs. She said in her Facebook post, quote, if I need to do this again to protect my family and my neighbors, I will in a heartbeat do it again. Except this time I will not be as nice as I was. She said, I will not put my family in danger. By exposing myself any more than what I have already. Cat Cast there in Oregon. Again, protecting her property, protecting her neighbors, and a, uh, stopping a suspected arsonist in his tracks. Now we've got another armed citizen story for you. This one from Michigan. This one, unfortunately, not quite as happy an ending. There was a stabbing at a mayor store in Adrian, Michigan on Wednesday. An 85-year-old was actually stabbed to death. The suspect in this case, though, was held at gunpoint by an armed citizen who was there and able to uh, stop that individual from going anywhere. The uh, woman who's the concealed carry holder uh, again, able to to detain this guy. Customers of the store, according to uh, WTOL, said this type of violence is rare. Angela Garza has lived in Adrian for 18 years. She says it's very unsettling because you just don't hear this happening very rarely. A uh, parent of the store said uh, that she's kind of nervous and scared. She said, I mean, I have little kids and 
Now you can't even go shopping without feeling nervous. According to eyewitnesses on the scene, they reported seeing a, a man in his 20s with a long trench coat uh, who started stabbing people. And the witness again said a woman with a concealed carry, uh, well, with a concealed handgun, pulled out that firearm, held the suspect until police arrived. Some customers said the person who held that uh, suspect at gunpoint saved more lives. Customers said, I'm actually glad there was somebody there with their license to stop the guy because if he did it to this person, who knows what else he would do it to or who else he would do it to. And they're absolutely right. Again, the presence of that firearm in the hands of that law-abiding gun owner was enough to stop that attack. Again, unfortunately, not before an 85-year-old lost his life, but thankfully before anybody else did. And, uh, yeah, I just can't help but remind you and maybe any of the gun control advocates who might be listening that um, these incidents would not be possible if the gun control advocates had their way. Right? That, 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 that mayor's store, by the way, would have been a gun-free zone if gun control advocates had their way. And that concealed carry holder would have been told by a sign at the door saying, hey, leave your gun behind. Go back to your car. Not a knife-free zone. Nope. And I doubt that any criminal would be persuaded to leave their weapon in their vehicle because of a posted sign on the door. I'm glad that uh, the gun control advocates didn't get their way. I'm glad that this wasn't a gun-free zone. And I'm glad that the uh, woman was able to stop that attack from proceeding any further and hold the suspect there until police arrived. Now, finally today, our uh, good deed of the day from uh, Walton County, Florida, Sarasota, where, uh, man, there's just, you know, Hurricane Sally came roaring ashore and there was just immense flooding in the uh, Pensacola area. Over 20 inches of rain, uh, basically in just a few hours. Uh, Escambia County Water Rescue Teams, according to the Pensacola News Journal, saved 377 people. Uh, paramedics responded to more than 200 calls. And the uh, Pensacola News Journal uh, reports that um, in at least one of these cases, uh, the uh, Walton County Sheriff's Office received a call from a resident who was running out of oxygen. And the flood water in his home was waist high. They say that um, two deputies set out to try to save the man, joined by a good Samaritan. They were able to get the uh, man to safety. Uh, deputies O'Neill and Parsons uh, able to get the guy out of his flooded home onto higher ground, and uh, back on some oxygen. Again, I, you know, I, I probably just list names for a solid hour and talk about uh, all of the heroes on display there in the Pensacola, Florida area as a result of Hurricane Sally, those heroes coming out of the woodwork. Um, so to all those who are in the right place at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing, uh, including Deputies Odell and Deputy uh, Parson, there with the Walton County Sheriff's Office. We thank you for your very good deeds. Now, that is all the time we've got for you on this edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. I do want to give you a, a show note. I meant to tell you this at the beginning of the show. 
probably going to get some emails about this tomorrow. We will not have a show on Friday. We will, this, this, we'll be back on Monday um, to have a doctor's appointment. My wife, Miss E, is getting her uh, results from her latest CT scan. We'll see if the tumors have been growing or shrinking. And uh, just not sure when I will have a chance or when I would have a chance to get down here. Not, not Honestly, not quite sure what kind of mood I will be in. I could be very, very happy. I could be not so great. So we'll uh, not have a show on Friday. We'll be back on Monday. And I do want to remind you as well, I've got a piece up at BearingArms.com right now about a fantastic event taking place this weekend. It is the Gun Rights Policy Conference uh, put on by the Second Amendment Foundation. This is going to be Saturday and Sunday. For the first year, this was supposed to be in Orlando, Florida. I was supposed to be going down to Orlando this weekend. Probably worked out for the best that I'm not. But um, it's all virtual. It's all online. And you can register. If you go to uh, saf.org slash grpc, yeah, you can register. You get a, a free digital Second Amendment library when you register. Uh, you don't have to register to watch these events. They'll be streaming live on YouTube and on uh, Facebook over the course of the weekend. Uh, it's going to be a great, great weekend. There are all kinds of fantastic panels, more than 120 different speakers. I I'll be on a panel uh, talking about the media in the Second Amendment with my friends, Stephen Katowski, the Washington Free Beacon, and A.W.R. Hawkins of Breitbart. Uh, but just some great Second Amendment activists. Uh, who are going to be gathering together online for the weekend, and you get a chance to uh, take part in all of it. Uh, so again, you can register, you can find out more, you can see a full schedule of events at saf.org slash grpc. And uh, hopefully, I will see you online this weekend. There are a couple of uh, like 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 Zoom events as well, Friday and Saturday night, kind of the virtual cocktail parties. I'm going to try to attend those. Going to try. Internet connection on the farm. Mm, generally not so great, but uh, I'm going to do what I can to be there for at least one of those. Uh, but I certainly will be there for the panel discussion on Saturday afternoon around 3 o'clock Eastern uh, is when my panel is uh, scheduled to begin. So hopefully you'll have a chance to tune in to some or all of the Gun Rights Policy Conference. And again, you can uh, pre-register at saf.org slash grpc. All right. With that, we will uh, bid you adieu. Kind of, that was kind of lame, wasn't it? All right, we'll say goodbye. <laughs> Bid you adieu. Yeah. We'll uh, see you later. Have a great weekend. Until we talk again, be well, be safe, be free. We'll see you Monday with another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. Mm -hmm.